0: Ciao, and welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast, a dialogue about how space technology and exploration are transforming our solar system. Thanks for uh, joining us and, and, and agreeing to be on here. Uh, just got uh, just finished reading your uh, wonderful manuscript and, and study from like,
1: 2020. Sure, I, I can give it a bit of and this method is basically using physics. Uh, imagine that you—I I like to give this example: if you are, uh, if if you are the asteroid and you are holding uh, a rope and you have another person on the other side. So let's say you are just spinning yourself, and then suddenly you have a rope and somebody on the other side spinning, and then the other person is. Uh, moving away from your center of mass while the person is spinning around you. So basically the method is similar to that. You are affecting the center of gravity of the potentially hazardous asteroid by attaching a tether and another mass uh, in the other end. So you're basically trying to change the center of mass of the asteroid and by changing the center of mass of the asteroid you're changing all the orbital elements. And orbital elements are uh, the main ones are inclination, Eccentricity, semi-major axis. There are six, but the, these are the, the basic ones. Then, and if you are affecting the orbital elements with time, you will be affecting the orbit of the asteroid. So, this is the the main concept of the asteroid of the this method to change the center of mass of the asteroid.
0: Awesome. Um, thanks for the uh, analogy. There, it yeah, looks like not too complex geometry for the tethered asteroid system. Um, and um, so we would connect two asteroids, a, a potentially hazardous asteroid and a smaller asteroid nearby. And um, Sweet. Um,
1: and and the, there's also the option which was first study, let's say you you bring a, a mass from the Earth. Uh, but the problem is, uh, for people who, who knows uh, space missions and <laughs> knows how spacecraft works, any extra weight is very costly. So if you are bringing the mass from the earth, you are adding, you have to add more fuel and that's uh, uh, way more costly. So that, that's also when the idea of uh, there are a lot of asteroids out there a lot. <laughs> So the idea is to use a mass that is already in space, because then you wouldn't have to bring it from the Earth launch this this mass.
0: Excellent. Um, yeah, I think I think you and your team, you guys are onto something here with this to uh, the asteroid system, um, and would would love to discuss about um, more about asteroids and potentially hazardous asteroids and of the underlying motivators behind your um, work and this wonderful research study you guys um, published in 2020 called dynamics of tethered asteroid systems to support planetary defense
1: and for for those who don't know what is a potentially hazardous asteroid so you have what is called Earth asteroid and within the near asteroids is what you call potentially hazardous asteroids which are Asteroids that are larger than one hundred and forty meters, and that can come closer than about twenty times the distance from the Earth to the Moon. So this is the definition what, of what is a potentially hazardous asteroid.
0: Yeah, it sounds like most of the, the the PHAs, they're they're um, the larger than one kilometer asteroids are known, but um, they the the PHAs. Um, sounds like they could be one of the largest uh threats for life on earth i think in the long term um it's also a lot of work to be done in terms of how we would survive an asteroid knowing it was too late but uh you could imagine some kind of grand migration underground um but it it all kind of uh i guess how many years in advance do you think we would uh know about uh, a hazardous asteroid larger than one kilometer.
1: Yeah, so that's it. This is another thing that I do. One is study dynamics of small bodies, but another thing is also with observations, planetary radar observations, and they're also uh, optical observations. So asteroids are discovered mainly by optical surveys. And infrared too, but in general, more optical surveys. So the 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 reason why it has been increasing the number of discovers is because there are more optical surveys. Most of them are <clears throat> in the northern hemisphere, so it would be good great if we had more in the southern hemisphere. There is one that is uh, uh, it's called the Vera Rubin Telescope in Chile, so that's going to help a lot. Uh, after 2023, when it starts operating, because uh, according to the angle that you, when you are observing the asteroid, you might not see if it's coming uh, from the Southern Hemisphere. So first of all, we have to discover them. That's the, the first thing. In the past, we, we just talked about how we would survive even if, if an asteroid was coming, and now things change. Uh, in the past, uh, asteroid reflection was just science fiction. It was just Hollywood movie and science fiction, but now it's actually becoming a reality. There will be even a, a, a upcoming mission to test an asteroid deflection method in collaboration with uh, Europe. It's called uh, the Dark Mission in West and Terra in Europe, so called AIM. So now instead of science fiction, it became a reality. Uh, we can do something in the future if something happens, but the problem is we first have to know in advance that is coming. So that's what optical service do. But then the second part to know what would be the damage, uh, how we were going to deflect the asteroid, and if we can't deflect the asteroid, just how would be the damage and where it's coming, then there's characterization needed. Characterization is knowing the size of the asteroid, the composition, the orbit of the asteroid, and what can do, what it can use to do that very, very precisely is radar, planetary radar observations. And there was in, uh, there was a civil observatory in Goldstone in California. There are not many in the world. There, there are other small ones, but those are the main ones. And uh, radar observations give you the, the precise orbit, very precise orbit of the asteroid in hundreds of years. So that's the the, the first main important thing is First you have to know precisely where the asteroid is gonna be in the future. So you 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 ask how long in advance. So that's important. Usually when optical asteroids discover asteroid, the, the orbit uncertainty is still very large. So you don't know, you know, like in a couple of years where the asteroid is gonna be precisely, but it's hard to propagate the orbit in decades and centuries. And that's when radar observations uh, become very important because you do one radar observation in 10 minutes you can know where the asteroid is going to be in 100 years Uh, so we need more of those we need more planetary radar facilities and we don't have many so wow uh, and (laughs) what is what would happen if an asteroid came so that, that really depends what i said and the size and and where it's gonna hit so 140 meters is uh it's kind of the the minimum size where you could cause uh, certain damage, like a city uh, size, or uh, that, that's when you can have actual damage. You can have damage also if it's 80 meters, but uh, bigger damage starts happening uh, when it's larger than 100 meters. And uh, when it's smaller than about 30 meters, you usually will burn in the atmosphere. But I don't know if you know in uh, Russia the, I'm not going to pronounce it well, so I'm not going to even try, in, uh, I think it was 2013, it, it was a small asteroid, about 20 meters, but just the, while the asteroid was entering the atmosphere, the you, you could already the sound waves could break uh, glass windows, it, it could already cause some damage, even the ones that burn in the atmosphere, so it, it depends on the the composition. If it's metallic, it might not fully burn in the atmosphere at twenty meters, but that's around the, the size where it would fully burn in the atmosphere, about twenty meters.
0: Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so, is reading there approximately six hundred thousand miles between uh, each asteroid on on average. Um, I I believe that may be in the asteroid belt, but, um, and then there are these binary asteroids, which is, you know, um, one primary asteroid and then an orbiting, um, smaller asteroid typically. And roughly 15% of the near-Earth objects, um, are, are binary or multiple systems, um, which, which would be around 432 binary asteroids, uh, but it sounds like it would be unlikely that a hazardous ast- asteroid would be a binary asteroid system.
1: It could be. Uh, there's no reason why uh, it couldn't be. There there are potentially hazardous asteroids that are binaries and, and triple systems. So there is no reason why uh, it couldn't be a, a binary or triple. And that's Another reason when you, you are talking about asteroid deflection, these are the kind of things that you want to know in advance. Uh, if there's an, est- an asteroid coming towards us, you, it's another thing you would like to know if it's a binary, a triple system. So that's a, it's not just the size, composition, uh, rotation, period, that all affect how you would deflect the asteroid. But yeah, if it has a companion, a satellite around it, that's also important to know.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, interesting, you know, because the tether uh, between the asteroids could be a lot smaller with uh, that b- binary system.
1: Um. Yeah, so the for the the tether, for, let us say some people ask uh, if if the the asteroid system that they're trying to de- to deflect with this tether is already a binary, could it, couldn't you just connect the asteroid the the two asteroids? So technically, you could, but Asteroids, uh, binary systems, the, the moon of the asteroid is already on a stable orbit. So they are not uh, affecting each other's orbit. So the both asteroids are orbiting and the, around the same center of mass, they're on a stable orbit. So if you just connect something, nothing will happen because they were not gonna affect each other's orbit. So you would have to perturb the orbit of the, the, the moon and connect with the tether, but perturb the orbit with the moon, otherwise just connecting wouldn't do anything. They're already stable, except when, uh, let's say there are collision between two asteroids. So in the beginning, that could in the future maybe become a binary system, but in, in the beginning, the orbits would be unstable. So until it, the orbits adjust, uh, then they won't be in a stable orbit around each other. It's like the, binary asteroids are like uh, the earth and the moon and we call it uh tidal lock. so we are always facing the same side of the moon it's the same with asteroids so the moon of the asteroid is always facing the same side of the primary asteroid.
0: Huh. Uh, gotcha it makes it makes more sense now um and it, in your research you mentioned um there are a couple questions um that uh really underpin the tethered asteroid systems and, and along the lines of the rotation and motion of both of those two asteroids.
1: Uh, yes, because rotation is another thing that can affect the orbit. If you affect the rotation of the asteroid, this can always also affect the orbit of the asteroid. So the, the rotation uh, makes a difference. Also the angle, uh, so in the paper, I. We, we studied the angle that you would attach the asteroid. So if you attach the, the small asteroid and the tether, the equator or the pole, that would also change how much you you deflect the asteroid, how much the orbit would change because it's rotating.
0: Gotcha. Um, and you, you also mentioned that small bodies, they, they have a spin rate range from seconds to hours. Imagine it complicates things.
1: Yeah. So as every asteroid is rotating, nothing is just standing still in <laughs> in space. So asteroids are rotating, and yeah, it can be from seconds. Usually, uh, there, there's a limit where you uh, the asteroid won't uh, fragment, which is uh, 2.1 hours. But there are asteroids that are uh, rotating faster than that, and then it was later. Uh, so so first of all, you, you would think that if an asteroid is rotating faster than two hours, it should fragment and become <laughs> in a bunch of pieces. But then it was discovered that asteroids could be rubble piles too. Rubble piles, it means they are kind of an aggregate of material. So that would give a different uh, limit for that. So there are asteroids that are rotating really, really fast, much faster than two hours and they're, as far as they are, they're rotating very, very slow, hundreds of hours, uh, the huh. rotation.
0: You, you start to wonder if we could almost leverage that rotational forces and momentum. Um, I don't know. Um, so what, what, what were some of the results you and your team discovered?
1: Yeah, so one of the things is that the longer the tether, the the larger would be the deflection. But of course, that, that's when for, for asteroid deflection uh, uh, methods, you have to balance uh, the amount of deflection and also the logistics and cost and all that. So of course, if you have hundreds and hundreds of kilometers tether, like the longer the tether, the, the faster will be the deflection. But of course, there's a limit you gotta choose. So Logistic material and all that. So, but the first thing is the longest the header, the, the faster it would be the, the deflection. The second thing is, of course, the largest the, the mass that you attach to the primary, to the, the potentially hazardous asteroid, the also the the faster the, it will be a larger deflection. So, if you have a very long header and a, a big a uh, smaller asteroid, then the deflection will happen faster. But why would you need, let's say, if the if you discover the asteroid will impact Earth in 200 years, why would you need it to happen that fast? So then that's why it's important to know the, the warning time before, because then you can plan accordingly. So if you have 200 years to deflect an asteroid, you don't have to use a super, super uh, long tether or a huge uh, mass to connect to the asteroid you just calculate what you actually need for the amount of time you have so very very important to characterize the the orbit and the the properties of the asteroid in advance
0: nice yeah it seems like um uh sending some probes to uh you know, the potentially hazardous asteroids um would, would definitely help with the uh, um, data collection and and um you also so so when you mentioned deflection, um, we're talking about the orbital deviation um, of of that asteroid uh, system, and um, so you found that the um, the simulation showed deviation values five times higher with a longer tether than a shorter tether, and that the point of attachment for the tether also influences. Um, the, the orbital deviation.
1: Uh, yes, the, and, and as I mentioned, the, the reason why the point of attachment, the angle where you put the, where you attach the feather makes a difference is because asteroids are rotating. So that makes a difference. So the, yeah, we tested uh, from zero to 90 degrees, the uh, point of attachment. So then that can make a difference because the asteroids are rotating bodies. And also, for this method, the, you can the the configuration you put the system in the in, in the beginning. You can either uh, send the asteroid away, or you can also bring the asteroid closer. If the idea is to for exploration, to perform studies in the asteroid. So if you want to bring it a little closer, you can always also do that with the tether assisted method. You just change the configuration of the, the system.
0: Nice, Uh, what what do you think was one of the uh, most exciting moments uh, on this research project?
1: Well, I I really like to use physics to discover, to prove concepts. So it was first uh, interesting not knowing what we would find out, for example, finding out that some of the configurations were actually bringing the asteroid closer. was interesting, and that that was really interesting. And and pretty much using uh, math and like calculus and and physics to prove a concept that because if you if you talk about a concept, it's pretty simple. And I like simple ideas because when you are actually uh, in anything you do, it's based on on. Uh, natural uh, effect and you it's really watching you know like the the child that is like watching how things work that's why I uh, in the, the idea of when I thought about it I saw I imagine like two kids playing with a rope and and spinning around each other so I really like to see these uh, things that look like a simple concept but use physics to explain how it's working so the the calculation of the, this was much more complicated than the, the concept sounds. So uh, I really like to play with equations and and get a result to prove what I was thinking in the beginning. So I guess I would say the developing the physics of the concept. It, it's really and being able to prove a method by using physics and calculus. That's
0: awesome. Um... Yeah, uh, your, your, your calculations and, and uh, um, equations were quite impressive and the paper it is uh, well done. Um, wondering what, what does your research and work mean for humanity and, and life?
1: Well, it's just uh, a contribution. So right now we are not. Uh, and I'm not just talking about this method, I think in general, humans, <laughs> society in general, you're still not at a point where if something is happening, we know what to do already. You're starting to see asteroid deflection as something doable and not science fiction. You're, you're at that point. And so I hope that my contribution will, can help in the future and the future can be decades, hundreds of years, who knows, can help to someday if needed, uh, have an extra option if we need to deflect an asteroid. So right now, when you talk about this people, some people still, uh, they they don't take it seriously because it was never done. And also so far, there was never a real threat, but the problem is uh, we can't wait for to find a real threat to take this seriously. So the scientific community, at least, is already taking it very seriously. And at least in the US, uh, it, in the past years, it was created the Planetary Defense Coordination Office. So it's starting to be seen as a serious topic. It's not something that you, you will think, and oh, if something happens, if we find out something, we, we will start to think about it. it. We are not at that point anymore. So, my research i hope it's an extra option to be developed and also about this method there's uh, another thing that uh, can be interesting because te- uh, tethers are not a new concept space tethers, but the the concept is new but the the idea of tethers in space it's not new it's used uh, already in space so for example for these you would need a very long tether uh, and it's interesting the other part that can be developed, which is the instrumentation part, the material. So, for example, there are uh, studies of nano uh, nanocarbon, uh, carbon nanotubes. So, carbon nanotubes, and the, this is something that can be used in the future. So, it's interesting how the this other part, the engineering part, can be developed uh, to to help with the this method that is a theoretical method. So I hope that in the future, this other part can be developed, so it can become true someday.
0: You're, uh, it's, it's very inspiring. And um, so you're the original inventor of, of the tethered ashford system, it sounds like. Um, no,
1: there, so the, when I started studying this, uh, it was, uh, I was at McGee University in Canada. With uh, supervisor Arum Israel. So he, he studied space tethers for several years. And he had another student studying uh, the concept, but it didn't consider the same. Uh, uh, it, it was considered like bringing a, a mass from the Earth and not the same uh, type of configuration we did. So the, the idea of having a, a capturing an asteroid and bringing to another asteroid was my idea but the the tethers no, it's not my my i, w- I didn't create the tethers space tethers
0: okay, yeah gotcha. actually, but uh, still I, I think it's uh um, holds a lot of promise um and the um it, it does sound like a competitive method um with, with the one you mentioned about tugging an asteroid with a nearby spacecraft with with a Gravity tractor method.
1: Yeah, so that that's another method that would take a long time to uh, deflect the asteroid, which is uh, called the gravity tractor. So the idea is to send a uh, spacecraft and just place it around the asteroid to perturb the orbit, and you have to put send a bunch of spacecraft for it to affect the orbit because mass affects mass. So you, the more mass you send, uh, the more we uh, will deflect. Larger video deflection, so that's another method. And the my method was uh, I want to say a step ahead, because they are they are kind of similar actually. It's using mass to perturb mass, but the thing is that by connecting the mass to the first asteroid, you can make the make it happen faster. So you, you can you can think it's uh, it's a uh, a variation of the gravity tractor because I'm also using uh, the mass of the other asteroid, but I'm, I'm affecting it more by connecting it to with a tether but that's also an option so there that's so what like I said it, it's really hard to say there is a, a perfect uh, uh, one best uh, uh, deflection method because it, w- it would really depend on the the whole characteristics of the asteroid in time
0: definitely um so it sounds like the tether could range from a few hundred kilometers to you know as much as two to three thousand kilometers in in distance
1: Um, yeah it it would really depend on how fast you want it to happen okay and then that's the part that is uh, it's interesting is that so this is the part that the where the physics was developed and then comes when you want to make it come true comes the industry part and then which is the material and uh, how uh, what is the material that you can use uh, uh, for the, this amount of size and for this length and all that so that's why people should work together when it comes to asteroid deflection because mm-hmm. you, need, you need the scientists and you need the engineers and you need industry, so it's a combination of
0: Yes, and it sounds like we'll need a spacecraft to transfer the tether anchoring equipment and power propulsion but also to move the, um, the, the small body
1: Yeah, so for example, that's the science part. You need a catalog of small bodies there to know which one. There there are thousands and thousands, so that's not a problem, but that's the the part that the science brings with a catalog of uh, asteroids or smaller asteroids that are in space. So there are thousands and thousands of them, but if you don't have them, if you didn't have them, then this wouldn't be feasible because you need to know what's out there. To pick
0: one yes um and, and you mentioned the carbon nanotubes as, as a tether material um I'm curious if uh, you had to estimate what what the tether thickness and mass may may be in the range
1: yeah so that's another thing that comes it's another type of study because then you're you're entering it's not really the the physics of it. It's the, the material engineering part. So, and I mentioned carbon nanotubes because they're very light and very resistant. So you need it to be resistant. And, of course, anything sent to space, you want it to be light because, as I said, any any extra weight you send to space, the launch, it's really expensive. So that that is promising for space tether. Um.
0: You also mentioned tether nets for debris removal and, and tethers for power and propulsion.
1: Yeah, so the this is other. Uh, uh, there are people studying tether nets for debris removal, so it's it's a similar concept, but you you would use a net because you would be grabbing a bunch of smaller ones, or you can have a a, a big debris, but uh, it's more like you're fishing <laughs> for for a. Uh, uh, space debris so that also can be used that's another application for a planetary defense and what you call space situational awareness or space domain awareness
0: yes yes yeah and I wholeheartedly support uh everyone working in the space situational awareness but um we'd love to help uh support you fishing for the asteroids uh sometimes so
1: Yeah, and the for example the the tethernet uh, it, it's being studied for space debris but uh, if you that's one of the ways you could capture the smaller asteroid to bring to the potentially hazardous asteroid just using a tethernet so it's the same thing as you would do for space debris
0: and um, with the capturing method um, sounds like there's a lot of research on the uh, anchoring into asteroids for for mining and, and ISRU, um, a lot of the ones the, the anchoring methods on the asteroids are uh, revolve around the ultrasonic drillers that that uh, it's fascinating to use the vibrations to to hammer through the materials. Um, but but uh, some of the studies on the moon I was reading about focused on uh, the pneumatic drills with the compressed air for to, to, to penetrate um, that's, uh, around three meters into the regolith.
1: Yeah. So th- that's an area that I'm not an expert, but I get the question a lot on the, the attaching the tether. So as I mentioned for a bunch of other stuff, that also depends on the composition of the asteroid. If you have a carbonaceous rubble pile, it's really easy to dig to. to uh, drill, let's say, if you're if you're, that's how you're doing it. Uh, but if you have a metallic one, then it's more complicated. So, uh, whatever you use, uh, it's good that you know uh, what the asteroid is made of.
0: Yes, it was reading most astro, most of the common asteroids are made of iron and nickel. Um, but, um, but, but another fascinating concept that that could help. Uh, the anchoring mechanism could be the use of the 3D printing and there's this nano anchoring process developed with the NASA NIAC program that um, kind of weld points directly into the regolith of some complex chemistry involved in the school.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, new studies related to that and I'm not very involved in that part, but I... I know that there are a lot of things being developed in that area.
0: Awesome. Um, and you also start to wonder <laughs> um, what we could learn from pulling rocks on Earth.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. I find it interesting that uh, when you are trying to study one thing, you end up uh, helping another area that you didn't imagine. <laughs> so
0: Yeah. Um, well, I imagine there are also um, a, a variety of methods and, and uh, technologies that we can uh, use to increase the orbital deviation of the asteroid system. Curious to hear your thoughts if if uh, any uh, methods have have came to mind uh, about how to improve the orbital deviation uh and 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 increase the um you know distance from from earth uh, um, of the collisional asteroid
1: any other other new methods
0: yeah um yeah we we had a good uh conversation with uh Aaron over at um over in California, and so he was all into um, really shed some wonderful research on uh, space manifolds and uh, these kind of free-falling trajectories throughout the solar system that act as kind of uh, like uh, space highways for um, bodies. And you start to wonder if we could leverage these manifolds for orbital deviation
1: That's a good question. I haven't thought of that. But I was not sure if you're talking about like other methods that you wanted to know about.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I imagine pretty soon, you know, within, uh, you know, this century and, and, uh, you know, within a few hundred years, we'll we'll be launching like, I don't know dozens and, and hundreds of uh, probes and, and all sorts of, uh, you know, tethers in the, in the space, um, hopefully a, a lot for um, uh, asteroid mitigation. Uh,
1: yeah. Cause it, you, you, it, it's good that you test things first, a, demo, a technology demonstration, you don't want to do it for the first time when it's actually needed. It's good. To do experiments for technology demonstrations too in advance.
0: Definitely. Um, you do also um, wonder if we could transport mass on the tethers, and if um, you could pull uh, the tether inward with a large spool, maybe anchored to one of the asteroids in the in the tethered asteroid system. Um,
1: yeah, that, that could be done too.
0: Or another crazy idea is, do you think we could drape some kind of solar sail or sheets uh, down the tether um, such that yeah, we could yeah. catch the so, solar photons?
1: Yeah, so the, that's uh, another method that was studied. It was it was not exactly with tethers, but it was placing a solar sail on the asteroid. So that's, that's another method that was studied in the past. Uh, I've been developing with uh, with colleagues, too, that is actually going to be published soon. It's a method with a, a solar radiation balloon that you connect the tether and you have a, a balloon, uh, the other, instead of a mass, you have a balloon that that will uh, use solar radiation to deflect the asteroid that will be using tether. So then, coming from one idea, you can start developing many others so uh, you just got to figure out the, the physics of it. And calculate things, and if it works, then you can consider in the future.
0: Nice. That's very exciting. Um, yeah, and uh, thanks to people like you, uh, we can figure out the, the physics.
1: Yeah, so one thing I like to say about uh, asteroid deflection is that People have to be open-minded and be a little crazy, you know, because uh, any any new idea, any new concept might sound a little crazy when people still don't know. It's like when airplanes didn't exist and you were considering flying a bunch of people and aircraft and it sounded like a very crazy idea. With asteroid deflection, we are at that point where we are moving on and we need people to have these crazy ideas that in the future are not going to look crazy anymore. So we we need to be open-minded and also have scientists that are open-minded to allow themselves to develop these crazy ideas that in the future are not going to look crazy. It's going to look feasible. So.
0: Yes, yes, I love it. And uh, yes, keep pursuing your crazy ideas. Uh,
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: So very nice to speak with you, Fabian.
1: Thank you. You too.